This is a crowd podcast. You're listening to Fucks Given, the one with Evian Whitney. Oh, hello, really. Hi, Flora. How are you today? Okay, I'm all right. I feel like mental health has taken a turn for the up. Yay! Which is really great. Uh, I'm still feeling super overwhelmed. Christmas is always like super busy and not necessarily relaxing. I'm sure it's the same for most people. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I am not doing Christmas this year for the first time. And oh my God, it's actual bliss. Yeah, I can imagine. Like not having yeah. to stress about any Christmas plans, Christmas presents, Spending. nothing. Yeah, because it's the travel the travel part for me is freaking me out. Is like having to travel to yeah. Manchester to meet the boyfriend's grandparent, having to travel to Wales to see my dad, who I get to see twice a year, you know. You're meeting Sam's grandparents. Yeah, well excited. I don't have oh any grandparents, so I'm my like, please God. donate your grandparents <sighs> to me. Like I, I need some some grandparents should be so cute. Oh, that's so cute. That's a really big step. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, <laughs> I just just want some little grandparents. That's so cute. Um, yeah, and it's really nice that he invited me. So nice one. Nice. My um muscles are feeling very, very su- supple. Supple? Today. Yeah, very supple. <laughs> you got to ask me why. I'm trying to think of like they're not they're not hurting but they feel supple. Okay, so what's yeah, going on there? Supple. Why do they feel supple? <laughs> so yesterday it was funny because you sent me a message this morning being like, "Hey, sounds like such a great idea having like a boy free day. Like we need those boo. Like really great." And then I was like, "Oh, I ended up going on a date last night. That's too um, funny. It was a fourth date." with this very very cute guy Mm. where we haven't like got intimate yet or anything like the most we've done is kissing actually after yesterday's it got a little bit more handsy than before his date idea for yesterday was a couple's massage oh my days yeah yeah it was exactly what i needed yesterday i ended up like i started yesterday being in such a great mood and then by the end of the day i was like fuck life like what is this i'm so tired i don't know what i'm doing like the weather was shit today Mm -hmm. and then i was like really like i don't know if i can be bothered to go on this date at all and then he suggested massage and i was like oh yeah actually you can't say no so down yeah. there's no way you can say no to fucking massage <laughs> i know and a couple's massage how cute this is the first time we saw each other like a little bit naked too Ooh, oh my god i love that but you still no sort of like sexual contact with each other just a bit handsy yeah, so after the massage, which was great, full body, mm. really, op- <laughs> it was really funny. I could hear his masseuse talking to him on the other side, being like, "Do you mind if I stand on you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! And I was just imagining this little lady like walking up and down his body. The way that she says it is almost like, "Can you do me a favor and let me stand on you?" Like, right? you know than- what? <laughs> I was thinking she would have been having a fucking field day over there. Mm. He is ripped as fuck. Oh, that's why she asked. Yeah, I want to climb your stairs (laughs) down to your ass crack. Like, yes, please. Yeah, Yeah, 
I was like, she must have been having such a great time. And you can hear that she was having such a great time. Like every time she asked a question, it was with a little like giggle. Oh, stop it. I love that. Imagine, I mean, I like the flirty masseuse. I, I do think about masseuses a lot. Like they must have to deal with all manner of bodies. But when someone like right. stereotypically fit comes in, they must be like, oh my, like I love my job. I love my job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I get to touch up on this really hot bod. Yeah, until some douche is like, yo, I'll slip you a tenner for a handy. And they're like, oh, and I hate my job again. Yeah, 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 exactly. Obviously unacceptable. <laughs> but yeah, we had like, after they left the room, after the um, massage, we had a little like make out in the room mm. and he started grabbing some booty and some nips. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Does, do massages turn you on? Because I'm always so turned on after a massage. I'm like l- literally dripping. Yeah, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm, not necessarily. I guess it depends the location uh-huh. because I wasn't feeling super turned on being in a place where I like knew that we had to leave and there was people standing outside, you know? Fair enough. Fair, what yeah, does that fair enough. turn you on even more? Uh, I think I ignore that part. I'm just like, well, my pussy yeah. is like, you know, galloping right now. So like, regardless of whether there's people there or not, hey, it just depends. Yeah, I mean, we could have fucked. <laughs> but I don't mean like fucked, just like horny. Just like, oh my God, like, yeah. oh, desperate, ready to go. Oh no, I wasn't desperate. I was just very relaxed and uh-huh. very like, yeah, I was just like, oh, that was just... That was just very, very sweet. This guy's very sweet. I love that. I love a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cute. I've got myself into a bit of a pickle, though. I think I've accidentally turned polyamorous. <laughs> Wait, why is that a pickle? I never really intended to be polyamorous. It's quite... It seems... It's always seemed to me like a lot of work. I think it can be, especially if, like, past relationships are so intense. You imagine that you're going to have a bunch of those intense relationships like all together at once but people are so different aren't they you probably are managing it because you don't have that weird intense like every everything's just like really easy breezy and casual that's what it should be like yeah because I've got like obviously I've got a guy a guy that I've been seeing for like the whole time I've been here basically Mm -hmm. and then I'm romantically dating other people that's why I'm like it's definitely more poly than just open yeah nice that's so interesting well keep us updated because i will yes i mean it's like the line that you said before where it's like well basically if you're dating multiple people you basically are polyamorous yeah at least non-monogamous yeah i mean maybe that's what they mean because we we struggle with the term ethical non-monogamy because we believe that non-monogamy should be ethical regardless but yeah but yeah maybe if you are dating and you're just not talking about it to the other people maybe that isn't ethical non-monogamy maybe that's unethical non-monogamy i don't know yeah that's kind of the norm though isn't it for dating like people don't often talk to the people that they're dating about the other people that they're dating. That's so interesting. And like, that's just yeah. seen as normal. I've been, tr- like, I've been trying to be quite clear with the people that I'm seeing, that I am seeing other people. I think that's when it differs, like your mindset for monogamy and non-monogamy. Like I remember when I was, I think like 19 and I was dating mm. some guy and I remember we met up and I was like, oh, just to let you know I'm dating other people. And he freaked out. And I was like, yeah. oh, dude, like, I'm just keeping you in the loop, you know? And I think my no- non-monogamous brain was like, of course, I'm going to tell you about everything. I'm going to be honest. And he was like, what yeah. the fuck? It just makes it so much easier and simpler. Like, just easy, breezy, open, 
everyone knows everything. Yeah, and I'm glad that guy freaked out because he was just not going to be the right one for me. He was not the right one. No, man, no. What's been going on over there in Reed's laugh? Been having lots of great sex. Like, oh, lots of great sex. Like, <laughs> pussy and dick hurt. Like, burns on the genitals. <laughs> oh shit uh, like when it's so raw afterwards yeah. you're like ow it's sore yeah and yeah because you're having good sounds sex. like you didn't use enough lube <laughs> yeah lube i think it was just we just had a, a, a lot of sex um and then because you're having good sex you want you're still horny it carries a horniness on find like the less oh. masturbation the less sex i have the less horny i am when you have really this good fucking so sex true. yeah yeah and i was like fucking myself with a dildo last night um, yeah. And I was in so much pain, but I was like, keep on going, you dumb bitch. Like, <laughs> whispering Fuck. to myself, are you just going to have to fucking take it? Like, turning myself on, no, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to take it, you dumb bitch, yeah. to yourself. Yeah, I was, I was literally turning myself on because I was actually still in pain. And I was just thinking, like, you're just going to have to fucking take mad. it. And I was like, oh, oh. Fuck. It is actually a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? Like... Once you start having good sex, you want more sex. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, now I need sex every single day. And what do I do about yeah. that? And your physical body can't take... Your physical body can't fuck <laughs> every day. Like, like no. vaginas can't, penises can't. It just... You get carpet burn, like actual friction burn. <laughs> even if you are losing, using loom. Friction burn. But yeah, yeah, so lots of good sex. I'm trying to think about like some nice moments to pick out. Like I don't, I, I don't know. The, the fucking dirty talk is just like blowing my mind. It's just so good oh. and so hot and just like we're kind of playing around with. Of course, we're playing around with like da- like like dominant stuff, but semi playing around with the daddy dom little girl fantasy at the moment. Oh, yes. Interesting you say that because. A couple of my partners have been calling me baby during yes, sex recently and it turns me on so oh, much. Oh, baby girl, fuck me. Just explosion. Uh, oh, man. These, um, they're like, oh my God, baby, I love it when you're coming. I'm like, uh, why is that so hot? <laughs> fucking know. Probably because we've got daddy issues. It's probably it. It all boils down. Um, yeah, shit. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I was always like, no, 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 never going to say daddy. And now I'm just like, can I say see it i don't know oh my god it's on the tip of my tongue in these sexual situations but i can't quite i haven't quite edged to the idea of actually asking if i can say it i nearly was like oh but also it's that sort of like weird internal battle isn't it you're Mm -hmm. like i shouldn't say this i don't want to say this i know i want to say this really bad i think once you're comfortable with it it's absolutely fine because you have to compartmentalize a lot of us can't do that because we think like oh relatives like can't talk about that can't say mummy daddy because that's i'm really talking about my real you know you're not talking about your real family you're talking it's a it's just a name it's just a title um yeah i had a like i i call i have called a previous uh sexual partner daddy during yeah. the time we were seeing each other and like maybe because he was so like you will call me daddy like it was easier yes so yeah. well, a good... i had, didn't have to be like can i call you daddy yeah <laughs> yeah a good question to ask instead of can i call you daddy maybe it's like if i called you daddy would that turn you on would you enjoy that yeah that could be a good way to go about things like i've asked that question yeah. and i'm like okay well let me just build up to it then <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. maybe it's maybe it's the shame of it. That's why it turns us on. 
it's the shame yeah, it, and the embarrassment. I'm like, because it definitely is. When I think about saying it, it doesn't turn me on. It cringes me out. But then also, yes, there's, there's got to be some kind of like turn on mind fuckery going on there. Surely. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, because it definitely it cringes me out as well. It makes cringe. me a bit sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cringe, the cringe, and I'm sure that means as soon as we get used to it, as soon as we're okay with it and accept it, then it's going to be yeah, like the hottest thing. Anymore. Yeah. We're like, oh <laughs> shit! All my life I've been wasted. That's the th- you've got to run towards the things that make you feel uncomfortable, guys. You just gotta do it. You know, you've inspired me. Next time I fuck someone that calls me baby. I'm going to be like, can I call you daddy? Yeah. Or I'm going to say, would calling you daddy turn you on? Oh, stop. My mind at the moment is just like full of (laughs) fantasies. Oh my God. Something happened just before we finished the update. I was having sex the other day on Monday and um, this was funny. This has never happened to me before. I was being like taken by, we basically, we got a sushi delivery and um, the... But we ended up fucking like just before, like when the driver was like on the way, way to the house. And then they ended up calling and he fucking answered the phone whilst he was inside me, like fucking me from behind. Why is that so hot? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Why is it just It's like the sex confidence of just like, I'm going to keep pounding you while I answer this call like a professional. Yeah. Yeah, and like you could kind of hear it in his voice that he was fucking because he was like moving. <laughs> what did he sound like? Please, I need an impression immediately. Oh, I I'm trying to think of what he said. <laughs> Just something about. Uh, I don't know. Oh something man, like, it's gonna be like I can't do it. Like that. I can't do. Yeah, man. Just come up. It's fine. Just number forty-one, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you at the door, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no i can't do that sorry you did it you did what he did though yeah. it's like it's that straight sort of like eye twitch like <laughs> yeah and you could kind of hear like the, <gasps> <gasps> in the background. either the delivery man was like nice or it was like dude the guy was wanking on the phone no <laughs> that slow like he's having a quick wank yeah dude just come up meet the door <laughs> oh my god too funny too good oh i've had great sex recently nice i like that we're oh my god florence i feel like this is the first time we're in sync since our exes xxx oh my god like we're both having great sex at the moment we 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 are always are out of sync apart from like years and years ago when we were just not in a good place with our exes and like we were just talking about how like little sex we were having and now oh my god what how many years is that now it's like Three, three years, three years two. later, two maybe less. We can ha- we're having great two. sex together. Oh, we're having so much great sex. This is a come curious oh, sister moment. Great, yeah. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Let us invite Evian onto the show. Can't wait to talk to them. Oh yeah, I'm so horny. <laughs> Hey, Avian, hey. welcome to the podcast. It's so Hi. nice to finally have you here. I feel like I've been following you on Instagram for so long. You absolute stunner. Thanks for coming on our wee little podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, y'all. I'm so happy to be here. Beautiful. How's your How's your life been going? How's your day be going? And then, and then please uh, introduce yourself before I get ahead of myself. I always do this. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
ramble, ramble. <laughs> Talk loads of shit. Uh, my life has been a little bit of a whirlwind. I just released my book yesterday. So, and it's it's Congrats. been a... Thank you. It's It's been a long, long, long process. It's been really beautiful and challenging and boisterous. So I'm, I'm feeling very full yeah. at the moment and also tired. I feel like these last few years have been really like connected to the book. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, cool. I can like lay my burdens down and rest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I can't can't wait to hear about it as well because it's about our favourite subjects and it's also a workbook, isn't it? So it's like a book that people can take on board and like learn about themselves as they're reading it, which is so exciting. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amazing. So before we get into what the book is about, I would love to know more about, because you are a sexuality doula and a sex educator, how did you get into this field of work? That's such a great question. Um, I really got into this field of work by accident. I, I like to tell people that I sort of, it sort of found me. I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't choosing or looking to do this. Um, mostly I came into this work from a place of wanting to understand my own sexuality. I was mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of sexual shame and sexual repression and also sexual trauma. And originally my, my goal was to just like figure out my issues, you know, whatever those issues were. And, um, it just so happened that as I was in this process of figuring my shit out, uh, folks started paying attention and was really resonant, felt a lot of resonance with my story. And I think some, I, I think what usually happens in cases like these is like, you're on this journey of healing and liberation and other people see you doing that. And they're like, how, like, tell me how I want to do the same. So folks begin asking me to teach workshops and write books and do one-on-one work. And, um, slowly but surely I decided to make this into a thing. And (laughs) this thing has been 11 years strong. So it is, it is now my, my full-time, my full-time job. But no, I didn't, I didn't get started from a place of like, I want to be a sex educator. It was, it was very accidental. Yeah. Incredible. What exactly is a sexuality doula? Yeah. So a sexuality doula is someone that guides folks, educates, facilitates, and like sort of walks people by the hand as they are transitioning from this place of sexual shame, insecurity, fear, Mm -hmm. trauma, and to the other side, which is um, sexual freedom, healing, liberation, and comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like part mentor, part coach, part therapist. Um, and also in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm literally helping people give birth to their sexualities um, in the ways that they want to experience them. So that's why I like the term doula. It's my work is so hands-on and um, there's a lot of emotionality and intentionality that comes with the work. So yeah, um, yeah I, I started calling myself a sexuality doula kind of from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really, it really tracked and I decided to keep it and run with it. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. I think as well, I think we re- really relate to that story of kind of like having stuff that you want to work on yourself and then end up like doing that as as your job as well and you know like sex and the way that people feel about sex and the shame around it like is still so big and I think sometimes people 
I mean, I guess there's been quite a big like push and a movement recently where you've seen a lot more people talking about sex, especially on like platforms like Netflix and, you know, on Instagram. And yeah, I think sometimes that can maybe people are like, oh, you know, there's loads of people doing this already. It doesn't matter. Um, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't like go towards this journey as well. But I just think it's so important like that more and more people are doing work in this field because even though we see everyone talking about sex, it's only in our bubbles, really. Like that's how the internet works, isn't it? Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about that. You know, I think I think a lot of the clients that come to see me, they are feeling a lot of shame because sex is everywhere. Um, and mm. we are seeing a lot of people talk about their sex lives and, and from this place of, you know, confidence. And, um, you know, we have this whole sexual wellness industry now. And so a lot of them come to me feeling a sense of like, there's something wrong with me that I can't tap into having great sex or I still feel shame around sex. Like I'm in my thirties or whatever, and I still have shame around my sexuality. And um, one of the things that I try to communicate in the work that I do is that our journeys are all different. And um, just because you see something on the screen or in media or um, on Instagram doesn't necessarily mean that that is the way that your sexuality should look. You know, we're all on this journey and we all heal at different times. Um, I know that when I first got started with this work, there was virtually no information on the internet. I mean, I got started with my personal journey in like 2009. So people are so lucky that they have access to comprehensive sex education on TikTok and on Instagram. But back in the day when I first started, like there was nobody out there. And so, um, yeah, there have been a lot of folks that have had to like carve the way to get to the space that we're in right now where sex can be talked about so freely. It's really interesting what you're saying about how putting all your confidence can ultimately in your mind tries to inspire people. But especially with the age of social media where we're so drawn into comparing ourselves to people online, mm-hmm. even though they're, you know, they've had completely different lives to you, yet we still help can't help ourselves but compare ourselves and feel inadequate to. And then there's this pressure of like being this person that you want to be, often or not you follow the people that inspire you. You 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 follow mm-hmm. them and it seems so easy for them because they're just like, yeah, you know, like this is my sexuality. This is the sex work I do. I'm really confident in it. But it doesn't show you the real journey and the struggle that they had to get to that point either. That's where social media can be dangerous because it gives this idea of, yes, it is really easy. Just follow me. I'm so happy now. And it's like, well, that's not even true. You know, it was a struggle and I might not even be fucking happy now. But yeah. I'm putting that image out on social media and, and you think you think it's the best thing ever. Um, yeah. yeah, very mm-hmm. dangerous, yeah. but really worth worth thinking about. Yeah, I've I've had to tell some of my clients to like either delete Instagram or to go on like a social media fast or diet where they are being very, very selective about what images and messages get in to them during this period of like sexual healing and um, sexual reclamation because 
you're right. I mean, we live in such a media heavy world. I think in some ways, you know, we feel that, or at least I could speak very personally, like I feel that, you know, everyone wants to be seen, you know, I want to be seen. That's one of the reasons why we have social media is because it's like, see me, look at me. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. I'm important. I've got something interesting to say. And, you know, social media can be a really great way to have other people see each other. Um, It's a great community builder, but sometimes it can, it can warp our sense of self and it could, it can warp our sense of reality about like what is actually true. You know, like I'm, I'm thinking about how often I see folks, um, and this is this is something that I'm seeing a lot, like in the sexual wellness industry, which is like such a new concept for me. Mm-hmm. I'm still like my mind is still spinning at the <laughs> fact that we have like sexual wellness industry. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're I'm seeing a lot of people just tout like buy the sex toy and have the best sex ever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I have a real issue with the idea of like sexual liberation lives in an external thing that like mm. we're, we're telling people to buy something or mm. to consume something as a way to get them to a space of sexual freedom and liberation. And that's not to say that sex toys, lubes, CBD can't be good tools. You know, I've certainly used them and I love them, but I, I'm noticing just the the narrative around sexual healing and sexual liberation is really steering towards like capitalism. And I have a real mm-hmm. issue with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Such a good yeah. point. That's never, such a good point. You never think about it, but then it's like such a catch 22 mm-hmm. because to be able to do what we do, especially in the this climate where it's still not really accepted, social media is still kind of trying to ban it, social, you know, cut it out. But right. And then it's like, how, how, I mean, Florence and I are the same. Like, how, do we base a career on this without getting funding from those sex toy companies? And then when you get a brief for it, they'll be like, we want you to say this, 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 and this. And it's so specific. And so like, you know, Florence and I are like, we can't say this. It just sounds like an advert. Like, like you're going to have the best sex this Christmas. And it's like, oh, (laughs) really? You know, come on, there's there's got to be a better way. So we try really hard to at least give I don't know give something else other than just like buy the sex toy because then you'll have the most amazing orgasms and it's like well you might fucking not also like having the best orgasms ever isn't like that like that's not everything you know Mm -hmm. like I think we see sex in such a limited way that it's about penetration orgasm but like I I'm really trying to expand my own definition of what sex is and to not limit it to vibrator equals orgasm, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Like what are other ways that we can come into our bodies and experience pleasure that doesn't look like this standard narrative of penetration or oral stimulation vibrator sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, can you you tell us? Because I am married (laughs) to my wand. I'm like, if I don't use Listen, my wand, like, I'm not coming. Like, I'm not having a good sex time, you know? And like, how do I oh get out gosh. of that mindset? Well, I mean, listen, I don't think that there's anything wrong with using vibrators. Like I love my Wee Vibe Touch. It is like the goat in my house. I've had it for like six years. By the grace of God, it is still alive. Um, so like, I, I love, I love vibrators and I don't, I don't want anyone to think that there's something wrong with you if you want to use tools and toys like that. Um, but I do want to encourage people to think outside of the box when it comes to sexuality and pleasure, um, to think 
about the different ways that they can experience um, pleasure and physical intimacy with themselves and other people that doesn't look like, again, like insert vibrator, have an orgasm or insert penis and you're supposed to have an orgasm. A lot of people doesn't work like that for them. Um, I, I'm working with a client right now who has been very honest about the fact that they are not interested in penetrative sex. Mm And they have felt so bad about themselves about, um, because that's, that's the, the thing that we should all want and have, right? Like if you are going to be sexually liberated, you should be having penetrative sex and you should be having an orgasm with it and you should be loving it. And for them, they were like, I'm, I have to be very honest and I don't like penetration. It's not something that I enjoy. It's not something that I want to do. And I, I wonder about that for other people. Like if there are aspects of their sexuality that they feel like they have to do to sort of meet this metric of sexual liberation or sexual freedom or whatever it is that they actually don't want, but they've been taught or told that like, this is what sexual liberation looks like. Yeah, I, I just, I want for people to be honest about like sort of the images that they are being given and thinking about like, mm, that's, if it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay, you know? Um, and to just like be really honest about what that, what what else is out there if they are trying to be someone that they're sexually not, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, that's really good advice as well. I think a lot of people relate to that and just feel like they could have never have said that, you know, because sex education that we did have at school was, so mechanical always Mm -hmm. about penetration about how to put a condom on about stis about pregnancy Mm -hmm. and we were never taught about pleasure Mm -hmm. and florence and i we're part of the problem like florence and i we love sex we have we can achieve orgasms during sex we love penetrative sex and we talk about it on a large platform like this and make everyone else feel like to enjoy sex you have to do it our way and of course it's not true it's just what we like Mm. and it's unfortunate that that both Florence and I kind of work in the same way like that where we are obsessed with penetrative sex but we I think we should make more more of an effort to push it out there that it doesn't have to be about penetration yeah I love penetration I mean I am also one of those people that enjoys it I love it I think it's great and I also want to hold space for the many different ways and nuances that folks can experience sexual pleasure or not, you know, there's this other side of it that I've been thinking about a lot about folks who are ACE. And, you know, I recently came out as being on the ACE spectrum and that has really, I mean, it's always sort of shifted my perspective around sex and sexuality, which is one of the reasons why sensuality has been a main focal point of my work. Mm. But I'm also holding space for the people that like, don't like to have sex or like sex isn't the center of their world or the relationship. And I think that's one of the things that gets, um, gets a little funky is that, you know, we see on social media, everyone's talking about sex toys and orgasms and CBD lube as though sex is the center or supposed to be the center of our world and our relationships and that there might be something wrong with us if it isn't. And so my, my work for like professionally and also personally has been like, what does it look like to deprioritize sex and like sex in the way that we have, have perceived it, you know, with 
penetration, vibrators and stuff like that. What else is there? You know, yeah. like what else do I have in my relationship if sex isn't the center of it? Wow. And it's, it's been, it's been a really surprising journey. I've been, I've been having a lot of fun exploring it. Ah, so have you been on a journey yourself kind of taking sex out of your relationship? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like I'm trying to be abstinent. It's not like I'm mm-hmm. trying to like not have sex, but I think I have felt a lot of pressure in my personal journey of like I need to be having sex, like I need to meet this certain quota. You know, mm-hmm. like a healthy individual equals having a healthy sex life, mm-hmm. and that means I need to be having sex three times a week, five times a week, twice a day, or whatever the number is. I feel like that number moves and is is um, is not very stable. Like, I mean, I feel like sometimes, you know, it's like you should be having sex every single day if you're a healthy individual, mm-hmm. or it's like you should be having sex twice a day or whatever. And so that pressure has made it so that if I can't meet that certain quota, I feel like bad about myself. Like there's something wrong with me. You know, yeah. like maybe I need to go on a pharmaceutical because my sex desire, my my libido doesn't meet this invisible, um, this this invisible standard of what, you know, sexuality is supposed to look like. And yeah. so for me, decentering sex looks like me not stressing about the fact that it's been two weeks and I haven't had sex Mm -hmm. and it's not because there's something wrong it's just because that's what happens Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know like we there's there's so many different experiences that we have that can affect the way that we are wanting sex having sex desiring sex if at all. And so for me, like deprioritizing it means that I'm just giving myself more space and grace to be where I'm at sexually and to not get mad at myself or judge myself too harshly or other people who are like, yeah, sex, I'm not really feeling it today. Yeah. Or this week. Have you you found that it's opened certain things up in your relationship? Yeah. I mean, it's really helped me to And I think it's helped both of us to find different ways of being intimate with each other Mm. and to experience um, physical connection that doesn't center sexy time. You know, I think for a lot of us, we have seen that the ultimate way to show your physical attraction or physical affection to someone is sex. Right. Like that's the narrative is like sex is basically the the factor that separates romance from being platonic or being friends. I don't necessarily think that that's true. I I think that um, there are many different ways to experience intimacy and physical connection. And I have been really enjoying what it feels like to have like a makeout session. And that's it. And it doesn't lead anywhere else. And it's, there's no pressure that it should lead anywhere else, but like that can be enough as an act of sexual intimacy or just like physical intimacy. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's been nice. It's been, it's been challenging us a little bit because I think we both have that, um, 
that that voice come up that's like, oh, it's been however many days and we haven't done, you know, the penetration. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that, what that motion was, but anyway. <laughs> that was the um, penetration. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's been really liberating for us as well because it's it, it's giving us the ability to choose the way we want to be in relationship with each yeah. other. And we have a lot of we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I, I remember I'm not in a relationship at the moment, but in the past relationships that I have been in, I remember there being such a big pressure around how frequently we had sex. And it would right. you know, it would weigh on me personally like a lot in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting like rehearing these kind of stories because I think so many people relate to that like the the frequency like the number like how many times mm-hmm. a week do you fuck and like that's always that sort of conversation mm-hmm. in magazines like cosmopolitan like you yes. should be fucking this many times a week I mean we we both felt the same way in our past relationships and uh, you saying what you have today has made me realize that a lot of it was blamed on partners and on mm. the relationship, not actually thinking internally and thinking, where is that dialogue coming um, as to why you want so much sex? You know, like where, like what is what is the reason for it? Is it that you're just feeling needy or you're feeling like you you need some attention? It doesn't have to be, I mean, a lot of the time we have sex isn't, isn't just about sex. It isn't this idea of, oh, I find you attractive, you find me attractive, let's fuck. A lot of it is, mm-hmm. I don't feel seen enough or heard enough or I, I need to be close to someone or I just want someone yeah. to desire me or maybe I feel a bit down about myself and I know that sex makes me yeah. feel good even if it is just for a few moments. So l- listening to that internal dialogue and really figuring out like why you want to have sex I'd never even thought of the concept so thank you I'm, I'm just like hmm the idea of disconnecting from sex is terrifying to me but yeah. something that must be like really interesting and good for personal growth yeah I mean I I think it's just important to check our internal narratives about sex and to remember that like we don't have to follow a script or a template when it comes to this is how many times we should have sex. This is how I should be having sex. This is how I should be attracted to sex. This is how I should desire sex. Like, I think all of those markers have been decided for mm-hmm. us. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Florence was talking about Cosmopolitan. I Again, I'm seeing this in the sexual wellness industry, which is supposed to be about taking care of yourself and honoring your body. And still there's there, there's these messages of like, well, this is how many times you should be having sex per day, or this is this is how you can achieve orgasm. So like, I, I just want to, my work as a sexuality doula and a sex educator is just to ask questions, mm-hmm. you know, and to ask that people ask themselves these questions of like, so, what kind of sex do I want to have? You know, like I'm being told that it needs to look like this and needs to have this sort of frequency, but what do I want? Like, what does my body want? What does my relationship want? What does sex even mean to me? Um, Do I even desire sex? I mean, I think a lot of us are walking around feeling like we should desire sex at the frequency or with the ardor that folks are telling us that we should have but like I I I don't know I think I think the reason why this is so terrifying and I I feel the same when I started doing this deep dive I'm like oh shit this is like shaking the foundations of everything that I I thought I knew about 
my sexuality and and everything. But it's so scary because it literally is dismantling the system of like sex obsession and also like like covert sex negativity. Mm -hmm. It's like really weird, you know? It's like we've got this this space of like, let's all be sexually free, but only in this way, right? Like be sexually free means you have a lot of sex, you love sex all the time, you have the best dildo collection. <laughs> why is that so limited? You know, yeah. like why, why it, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, to me, sexual freedom, the way that it's been told to me has never really felt all that free because it's always come with um, like a should mm-hmm. like, or um sort of like obligations about what that should look like. And so I'm just here asking like, okay, what if those obligations, like what if, what if you just threw them away? Like what if, what, what if like your sexual freedom literally means that you get to be a free sexual individual and you get to do whatever you want. And if that's only having sex twice a week, twice a year, that's okay. You're still sexually free, you know? Yeah. Wow, you are amazing at your job. I'm like, <laughs> slow clap, oh Jesus, oh Lord. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is so inspiring. I'm literally so inspired. It's interesting what you were saying earlier um, about kind of how we perceive um, sex and especially when it comes to kind of wanting and desiring attention and feeling seen, feeling attractive. Um, Because I think that plays into an interesting conversation about uh, sex addiction and Mm. the um, kind of desire. I think a lot of people go through when they're younger about feeling like they they get validation from, Mm -hmm. from sex and... I I know personally that I went on a journey in my early 20s, like um, late teens, where I would, I feel like people relate to this anyway, I, I don't know, but I, I would go out clubbing or whatever and I'd put all my makeup on, I'd make sure I look nice. And if I didn't end up going home with someone to have sex with that night, I wouldn't feel worthy or I wouldn't feel Mm. good about myself because I then started putting this narrative on sex. And I think maybe what you're saying is kind of like this narrative that we put on sexual liberation and sexual freedom Mm -hmm. feeds into this idea of validation from sex and feeling worthy because Mm -hmm. you got laid. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to go to a club and put on your makeup with the idea that like you actually have a desire, like I want to have sex because I want to get it on. I'm horny. Yeah. I'm worth it. I want some dick. Like th- that's one thing. Yes. It's another thing to go to a club, put on your makeup and be like, I need to have sex with someone tonight as a way to affirm and validate my worth, my beauty, yeah. my desirability, um, my enoughness. And I think yeah. a lot of us are are falsely equating that as sexual liberation. Like just because you have lots of sex and you're able to have lots of sex with people doesn't necessarily mean that you're liberated. It just means that you're having a lot of sex. And I think we have equated sexual liberation to lots of sex and very like a lot of variety type of sex. Stacking up the numbers. 
Exactly. And this, yeah. this actually came through in a session that I was having with a client recently where she sort of had the same realization as you that like, you know, she was like, God, I, when I was in like 18, 19, 20, I was having sex all the time. I didn't give a fuck. Like I would just like have sex in bars and it felt so good. I want to get back to that. And yeah. then later she's realizing like, I didn't really it wasn't about sex. It wasn't a, like I didn't have a desire or a pull for sex. I just wanted to be seen yeah. and I wanted to be loved and I wanted someone to hold me and I wanted to feel like I was enough. And I think for her, she was having this realization like this whole time, I thought that that was sexual liberation, but sexual yeah. liberation for me today looks like me allowing myself to be who I am and to have the needs, wants, and desires that I have, especially if they're counter to what culture is telling me that I should have. So yeah, yeah this this shit is deep. Um, it's so deep. <laughs> there's, there's a lot here, and you know, I just I just want for people to think about this stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that takes us on to talking about your book as well, because it's about getting back in touch with yourself and your own sensuality, right? I'd love you to yes. tell us more about it. Yeah, um, my book is called Sensual Self. It is a guided journal that is going to help you with prompts and practices to get back into your body and your senses. Um, I mentioned earlier that sensuality has always been a focal point in the work that I do. And I think that's because sensuality feels a lot less tarnished, if I could say that about than sex. Like I feel like sex has always yeah. felt so heavy and it's come with a lot of narratives and shoulds. And I mean, that's not to say that sensuality is perfect because I think there are, there's, there's lots of things that we think about when we first hear the word sensuality. I know a lot of people use the word sexuality and sensuality interchangeably, which mm -hmm. they're actually very separate. I see them as two separate experiences. Um, but for me, sensuality is just about being in my body. And it's about a private personal experience that I have where I am honoring whatever sensations are coming up in my body, whatever thoughts are coming up in my mind, because the mind is the part of the body. And I've noticed that that sensual connection is really helpful in getting us to answer some of these questions that I'm bringing up today about like, what do I desire? What do yeah. I want? How does sex, how do I want sex to feel in my body? Like, do I even want to have sex as much as I want to have, or as much as I'm told to want to have mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Um, sen sensuality for me is just a, a really beautiful starting point to getting very clear about who you are, what you want, and how to connect to your body outside of the shoulds that culture yeah. um, have been putting on us. Sounds amazing. I think we all need to take a moment to get back into our own bodies when it comes to sex because, you know, it can be so focused on partnered situations, um, whatever it may be. But it is so important to just, you know, really know what you want, know what your body wants, know what you like. Mm, what what yeah. would be like, I guess, what's like your ultimate goal for like people going through the book and how they feel in touch with themselves afterwards? I mean, my biggest goal is for people to just come back to their bodies. I think a lot of us, a lot of us are walking around not being like fully in our bodies. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's for many yeah. reasons. Trauma, we're rushing all the time. We're moving really fast. So it's very, it's very difficult to actually be in our bodies when we're like going a mile a minute. Yeah, my, my goal is just to get people to slow down and to come into contact with their their physical body and also like the pleasure and the sensations that can be found when they do that slowing down. Because what I've noticed in my work is that people will be having sex for years, but they're never really fully present to it. Mm-hmm. Like they're not 100% in their, in their bodies. They are somewhere else. Their mind is somewhere else or they feel a sense of sort of like a trauma response that happens for them when they're when they're in the act of sex. And so with this this journal, my my goal is to just ask a lot of questions and to provide some practices for folks to have them get curious about their bodies, about the things that take them out of their bodies, yeah. about where they go when they're outside of their bodies. And then also what things make their body feel good in a non-sexual way, you know? Mm. Cause that's the other thing about sex is that I think that for a lot of us, sex is like the only space that we allow ourselves to experience and explore pleasure. It's like this, this space that we're like, okay, everywhere else I have to be a saint and I have to abstain from pleasure, mm-hmm. but sex is my, sex is my place to like explore. And, um, that's what, what sex is for. And so, yeah. and I mean, there's, there's some people that don't feel like that. I mean, I think that there's lots of folks that are like, no, pleasure is a whole body non-sexual experience, but there are a lot of people who first hear the word pleasure and they immediately go to, to sex. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, pleasure has been very sexualized. And so what I am trying to do is to like get people to see like who are they as pleasurable beings outside of the context of sex so that like when they do have sex, if they decide to, that is information that they can bring in and they can cultivate being connected to their bodies during that yeah. time. Where, where else? Like, for example, do we feel pleasure outside of sex? So what comes to my mind is like, food and like when you're out in the sun feeling like the warmth on your body and those sort of things yeah I was actually uh, just teaching a workshop yesterday about sensuality and um, I was asking everyone in attendance to talk about like when do they feel most comfortable in their body and Mm. that word comfortable can mean a lot of things it can mean like confident it could mean secure it could mean grounded it could also mean like you just feel good you know, you just feel good in your body. And everyone was saying things that had to do with being in their physical body, like yoga or yes. um, going for a walk or putting their feet in the ocean. You know, mm. these very like body centered experiences were sources of pleasure for them. And I, I found that really interesting because, you know, we live in a society that tells us to use our minds all the time. Our minds are superior. And so I was kind of expecting for someone to be like, I feel the most comfortable in my body when I am writing an email. Cause like, I mean, that's kind of like what, what we're taught, you know, but everyone said like, when I am out in nature and I can just like close my eyes and listen to the birds singing or, when I am like cooking and I am like really immersed in that process of like chopping vegetables and smelling things, anytime someone says that they have had a pleasurable experience outside of the context of sex, they are having a sensual experience. Their senses are engaged. So 
I would like for people to think about like, what are some ways that I can feel good on a day-to-day basis Mm. outside of a sexual context? And these don't have to be grand gestures. They can just be um, small and maybe even a little bit quiet, but there's pleasure all around. We just have to look for it. Mm. We're so obsessed with technology as well. It's like we we almost can't take a moment and breathe because we're not just obsessed with the technology, but obsessed with yeah addicted with technology but this idea that we constantly have to be working and constantly moving and um almost like not sleeping I I don't know like we have this weird obsession with with um productivity Productivity. yeah thank you Mm -hmm. productivity Mm -hmm. um and if you're it's like uh, on days where I've literally gone okay I don't have anything to do today and I feel guilty and I feel like I have to lie to people and be like oh yeah it's been a really busy day like I've done this this and this and it's like well no I can actually just not have a busy day you're allowed to like finish work (laughs) and not do anything you're allowed to hell not even be at work and have a work day if you need to take some fucking time off it's like why is it when we get sick and unwell and we take time off of work we feel so guilty for it it's mm-hmm. because we have that weird feeling left of, in us that we constant like you know we're a letdown that the company's gonna explode if we don't do our responsibilities it's like no man yep. it's a job you fill a role if you died today they will just fill it with somebody else like life yep. moves on you you aren't you don't need to be so work heavy and look at your phone all the time and look at screens all the time but then again it's also escapism we love escapism we love binge watching shows and um, being on whatsapp till the early morning you know it's yeah it's it's a nightmare we we need to get back into our bodies and disconnect from this horrible pull of not doing enough not being enough yeah yeah it's also i feel like this conversation is really hard as well because we're definitely coming from it from a very privileged point of view Mm -hmm. especially doing what we do and having enough money to you know live how we want to live there are you know the way that capitalism in the world has worked has put so many people in a position where they can't even think of getting back into their body because they have to like put food on the table for their children Mm -hmm. and pay rent and it's single parents with like three jobs and loads of kids and they just they they don't have a moment no, no moment's peace I I would actually argue that, and and this is something that I talk about in my work, that sensuality is accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, This this idea of slowing down and being present in our bodies is accessible to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what your body does, what you look like, what you do for work, how much money you make. Sensuality is our birthright. And we have the ability to tap into that at any time. I, I think that there's there's a couple of ways we're talking about this, right? Like we're talking about this from like, take, take six days off of work and have like, you know, you can close down your computer. You don't have to be on Instagram to do anything. Like you can just be still with yourself. And that's one aspect of it. But mm-hmm. what I'm talking about is more like regular, regular day-to-day stuff. Like you are working a nine to five job and you do have three kids and how can you prioritize slowing down and being in your body? How yeah. can you carve out five minutes a day? just five minutes to be still with yourself, to put a, put a hand on your belly and just feel your breath go in and out of your body. Like, is it possible for you to create that space? I think so. I think a lot of us have bought into this 
framework, this way of being that we have to constantly be moving and doing and productive and we need to be busy all the time. And so this practice of sensuality is also about saying like, yes, but I can be slow and I can be soft. To me, being sensual, creating a practice of sensuality, coming back into our bodies and saying like, no, I'm a pleasurable being all on my own. I don't need to buy shit in order to have that happen. That is an act of resistance. That's mm-hmm. an act of rebellion. You know, it's it's going against what culture is telling us to be like, oh, in order for you to be pleasurable, buy this face mask. Or <laughs> in order for you to get back mm. into your body, take the CBD lube. And, and you know what I mean? Like to be yeah. able to say like, yeah, those things are cool, but I am a sensual being on my own. I don't need anything else. All I need is to be with myself and to be with my senses and to breathe. Yeah. Beautiful. This is like some deep therapy chat right now. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm learning so much. I already want to share this episode with so many people. Yeah. I just want to. I want everyone to listen to this. I hope, I hope people do. I hope when they listen to it, they'll share it to somebody who does need to slow down a bit. And it is possible, you're right. We can we can think so hard that we want the easy fix of buying something that's going to get us that. But mm. really, it just takes a few moments to do it yourself. And you can do it. You just need to have that mindset. Like yeah. there's nothing stopping yeah. you from doing it. You don't have to spend loads of money on this new thing because I don't know, like a foot spa treatment because you think it's going to mm-hmm. calm you down. Like you can just sit for five minutes, focus on your breathing and your body. And I mean, I, I do it with, when I, when I paint my nails, I will sit there with nothing else and I'll just paint my nails and I'll just be mm-hmm. in my thoughts and be in my body yeah. painting my nails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is what we're talking about here is self-regulation, mm-hmm. you know? And I think one of the reasons why we're so addicted to our phones and scrolling and Netflix is because we are using these tools to regulate our nervous systems. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like I am someone that will binge watch. I'm right now my obsession is succession. Like I will yes! sit for hours. <laughs> I will sit for hours. I can't get into that show. show. Oh, you so know. Good. It's an acquired taste. The first two episodes, I was like, what is this white nonsense? I cannot. It's too yeah. much. Like, but like, but I, I'm right there with you. Like, I don't want anyone to think that like I am on my high horse and I don't escape through Instagram mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. YouTube videos. But the thing that like I, I want for us all to think about is like, why do we go toward those things? What are we looking for? And typically yeah. it is to my partner calls them digital pacifiers. Like they are to calm a part of us that feels sad or unsafe or like we're having a lot of emotions in our body, but we don't, we, they're too overwhelming. So we just need something to do. And so this practice of sensuality is saying like, yeah, you can have those things and you can also be a resource for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can also learn how to regulate your own self so that like you're not always reaching for Instagram and doom scrolling as a way to unwind from the day, you know? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Just before we leave as well, we have forgotten about the fuck off story. Do you have like a quick story you can tell us at the end of the podcast? Fuck off story. Yeah, this is great. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about some deep stuff, so this will be a a nice way to to change up the energy. So um, my story, when my partner and I were dating, we had a weird living situation. I was still living with my mom and my sister. He was like 
somehow living in a studio apartment with a roommate. It was really weird. So oh gosh, a studio with a roommate. <laughs> yeah. So we we didn't have any places to have sex to get it on. Yeah. So um sometimes we would go to like a motel or whatever, but that gets really expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times we would have sex in the car. So there oh, was yeah. <laughs> this one time where we I, I my childhood home had like um an area that of just like untouched land. It was just like total desert and you could drive into it and like park there. And it was totally great and a really great place to have sex in the car. (laughs) So one (laughs) evening we told my mom, we told my mom and my sister, we're going to go get some ice cream and ice cream was sex in my car. (laughs) Um, And so we drove to this spot in the middle of the desert and um, we started, you know, doing the things, kissing, taking off clothes. And um, we're in the car and all of a sudden we hear like a helicopter flying past and we're just like, okay, whatever. No big deal. It's a helicopter. But then it sounded like it was getting really close. Like it was like right over us hovering Whoa. and we're like this is weird so then we see that it's shining a light in our car oh, like hovering over us and shining a light in our car I mean it's no super way. bright super loud I am freaking the fuck out because my first thought was like we are breaking the law like somehow <laughs> some way oh, us having sex in this car in this desert mm-hmm. is somehow breaking the law and so we start panicking. His, his clothes are oh, half on. My clothes are half off. I'm like jumping into the front seat, trying to like start the car to drive away to be like, okay, we can't like, we have to abort this mission. <laughs> and then the helicopter starts following us. Oh no. And I, to this day, I really feel like these, these people were just fucking with us. Like they, they probably saw through the window that we were getting it on and they were like, ha ha, let's see these, you know, these kids are having sex. Let's give them a little scare. (laughs) So like, we're still driving and the, the helicopter is still following us really low, shining brights on us and everything. And I'm like panicking and like, babe, what do we do? We're going to get arrested. I'm so scared. And then they just, they, they fly away. No. Oh yeah. my, there has to I be a that- reason. Surely helicopters are so what? expensive. <sighs> they can't just be like fucking around. Oh, don't have a job to do today. I don't know, but I, I was really paranoid and I was checking my mail because I thought like maybe they were going to like scan my license plate and give me a ticket or something, but it never <laughs> happened. And I think that was actually the last time we had car sex because we were just so freaked out yeah. about that. So that that's is, my story. <laughs> that is a brilliant story. Great. That is that amazing. Story. That we were both fucking wow. off right in between that. We're like, no, <gasps> oh, <laughs> freaking out for you. <laughs> Oh, I can't yeah. believe a helicopter followed you. Yeah, it was it was really <laughs> surreal. I seriously thought that we were like fugitives or something. It yeah. was bizarre. It was bizarre. And then That's when like we a got Bonnie home, and Clyde moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then when we got home, my mom was like, So how was ice cream? And we're like all like shattered, <laughs> like like fucking we were, Yeah, we were so rattled. Mm. We're just like, Oh yeah, the ice cream it was, it was really great. And we just yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it was, it was a trip. brilliant. That's such oh, a great story that. to round off on. That helicopter story I, goes up there for sure. <laughs> it is on the yeah. leaderboard right now. That is on oh, the no. leaderboard. Can you please you. tell our curious fuckers where they can find you and your amazing book? 
Yeah, you can find me um, on the internet. I'm at evianwhitney.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, evian.whitney, when I'm not being shadow banned. Um, uh, I have a podcast as well. It's yeah. called uh, Sensual Self. You can check that out anywhere Amazing. podcasts are found. And then my book is also called Sensual Self, and you can find that at any bookstore That's where, that sells books. So. Oh, this has made my day. This has been amazing. You are amazing. And I can't wait for the curious fuckers to listen to this episode. Yes, yeah, thank you so I'm much, y'all. Slightly jealous of the helicopter situation. I'm like, when am I going to get my helicopter debut? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Curious fuckers, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It has been amazing. We've learned so much. And of course, please do your bit. Share this episode with your loved ones, especially if you think some people need to get back into their body and ground themselves. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, Please please like, rate this podcast episode because it's good for the Apple podcast system. Leave a review. Yeah, leave a review. Five star, five star, baby. And follow us on our social media at Come Curious, at Read Amber X, and at Florence Bark. Mm. We'll see you next Thursday, Curious Fuckers. Mm. See you next Thursday. Bye. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.